All righty. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of Time Out with Doc and Caveman. As always, you are here with Dr. Fantasy and the Fantasy Caveman. We only have two episodes left. Today, we're going to be talking about the Phoenix Suns. Next time, the Utah Jazz. If you don't want to miss any of our future content, make sure you subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure you please like this video. It helps us out quite a bit. Um, and like I said, make sure you subscribe as well. We're trying to one subscriber at a time. We're trying to get to 100 by the end of the season. So we appreciate the support. So let's talk about the Phoenix Suns today. Last season, they were 51 and 21 under head coach Monty Williams, which was good for second in the Western Conference. They were fifth in offensive rating, ninth in defensive rating, a very well-rounded squad, some random team numbers. They were seventh in three-point percentage, second in two-point percentage, and then they were the third best team in terms of defending the three-point line as well. So well-rounded everywhere. Individual season leaders, Devin Booker at 25.6 points, Chris Paul at 16.4, DeAndre Ayton at 14.4, rebounds DeAndre Ayton at 10.5, assists Chris Paul at 8.9, steals Chris Paul 1.4, DeAndre Ayton with blocks at 1.2. So uh, it's no secret who this team's best three players are so cave man though uh, anyone else stick out to you who impressed from the suns last year uh, i mean i'll i'll let you talk about uh chris paul if you want and how he was able to like seem seamlessly gel with this with this team uh but the guy the the guy for the guy for me is cameron Payne. Uh, this was a guy, man, was he a menace in that finals versus the Bucks? but that's a, that's, that's another thing. He was a menace. Uh, but this is a guy, and I like these stories where guys revive their career from almost being dead. And that was the reality with Cameron Payne is he, the past, like, several seasons, he was bounced around to four or five different teams in, like, two years. Yeah, he was playing overseas because nobody wanted to sign him, yeah, too. Yeah, couldn't find, couldn't find a real role in the NBA. Nobody wanted him. And this past season, he kind of rose from the dead and and had solid averages. I mean, average eight eight 8.5 points, 2.4 rebounds, 3.6 assists off the bench. Uh, and he just, on a nightly basis, he just did whatever the team needed him to do. If it was coming in put up some points that's what he did if it was kind of lead that second unit uh as a primary ball handler and playmaker he did that uh he's also and he's and this has to be one of your boys because he's a very big hustle and energy guy he you always see him diving for the loose ball and uh just especially in that finals versus the Bucks. he it seems like every loose ball Cameron Payne was on that ball <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's like every loose ball, Cameron Payne was in the game and he was on the ball. <laughs> like he out hustled everybody on the court, uh, and that's that's what you'd love seeing from a what's what that's what you'd love seeing from a uh from a guy like that. So yeah, uh, Cameron Payne to me is the and he's gonna in this upcoming season he's gonna have a similar role. So uh yeah, Cameron Payne uh is my guy. Yeah, and he's going to be a really important piece off the bench for him. 
Um, I mean, you have to mention DeAndre Ayton a little bit. I think he's not still in the finals. not finals. Not I mean, he he really wasn't that bad in the finals, honestly. I think he got a lot of hate, but I, I mean, defensively, he probably wasn't what you wanted. But I mean, the entire season he was, and that's the biggest, when you look at his numbers offensively, they didn't even go down because his percentages went up. So his overall field goal percentage went up 8%. But uh, I mean, just defensively, he became just, I mean, one of the top, defensive big men in the league and I still think that he has kind of Joel Embiid kind of upside um and I think that he still hasn't reached that potential still only 23 but he did have the 35th highest efficiency rating last year so on both ends of the floor he definitely was improved I mean you have to mention Chris Paul a little bit this is a team two years ago that in order to get DeAndre Ayton only won 19 games so the turnaround that they've had over the last few years is really impressive and what Chris Paul did in year one was, I mean, I liked this team. I didn't think they were going to go to the finals. I had them, I believe, as my fourth seed last year, which was definitely much higher than everybody else. But I, even I undershot it. But the thing with Chris Paul that a lot of people didn't talk about, everyone was talking about Kyrie Irving's legendary, you know, 90, 50, 40 season. Chris Paul almost did that, too. He shot 93% from the free throw line. From the uh, overall, his field goal percentage was 49.9%. So almost, literally almost there. Then 39.5% from three. So people talk about Kyrie Irving, but Chris Paul, at 36 years old, almost had the seventh 90-50-40 season of all time. I mean, that's absolutely wild to me. So the way that he, I mean, you mentioned it, the way that he was able to just come in and just adapt to the situation and I mean you would expect it from a veteran but to do it at this level where they went to the finals is still absolutely mind-blowing um and then lastly I'll just briefly bring him up but Mikhail Bridges as yeah. well made oh, a lot of strides last season um averaged career high in points he was a very effective defensively 42 and a half percent he's their best I personally think he's their best defender yeah, no, I mean, I know, he I know probably DeAndre is good on the defensive end, but I think their overall best defensive player is Mikhail Bridges. Yeah, no, he definitely is. And uh, offensively, he showed. And I think that's he's one of those guys where defensively he was always going to be able to carve out a role in the NBA. But you were like, all right, is he going to develop offensively? 42.5% from three-point land on four-and-a-half attempts will definitely keep you in the league for a long time. So he was very effective. And he was their only player to play in all 72 games last season. So he started all 72 games and was very uh, – a reliable and steady presence for them. So I'm interested. He's 25. I'll see, we'll see if he takes even another step forward. And I mean, that could be huge for them. If you have Paul Booker and we haven't even talked about Devin Booker yet, but you have those three guys. And then a guy like Mikel Bridges playing fourth fiddle to all of them. I mean, that's uh that's a dynamite formula right there. So um, let's go over to their off season. They didn't have a draft pick, so nothing to report on there. Through free agency slash the trade market, they acquired Chandler Hutchinson, Javal McGee, Alfred Payton, Chasson Randall, Landry Shamet. They lost Tyshawn Alexander, Javon Carter, Tory Craig, Langston Galloway, and Etuan Moore. 
So pretty quiet, just some rotational pieces moving in and out here. But what do you think of this offseason? I mean, yeah, you, you mentioned uh, their offseason is relatively quiet. I mean, I, 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 I mean, I like the JaVale McGee signing. It's kind of, he's going to give a nice, he, he, he's like a premier backup center. Uh, and he gives them kind of, you know, they have Frank Kaminsky, but Frank Kaminsky is a pure offensive guy. He's almost a liability <laughs> on the defensive end of the court. Uh, so they kind of, I love how they got in JaVale McGee and, okay, now you have an offensive-minded big man on the bench and you have a defensive-minded big man on the bench. So I like what they did there and getting some options uh, behind Aiton. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's kind of Alfred Payton's kind of, I, I kind of think Alfred Payton's a bum. Oh my gosh, get out uh, of here. I know, I know he's a solid, he's a solid defender, but I just, I, I, maybe I just hate him because he took You away just hate position. defensive players. I think I'm mad. I think I just hate him because he took minutes away from uh quickly in New York last year. He was a main reason why quickly didn't get more minutes last season. So maybe that's why I just hate him. That's why. Uh but yeah, other than that, just a relatively quiet off season. And we say this seems like a lot of these upper end teams that have quiet off seasons are like, okay, maybe the quiet off season is kind of the best off season. Mm-hmm. Uh and I think with the Suns, I don't I don't think there was really a need to do much. I mean they brought Probably their biggest offseason move was extending Chris Paul. He got a pretty solid extension from him. So, yeah, overall, you're relatively quiet offseason. Just some some decent depth to go with what they already have. Yeah, and I mean, this is a team that whenever you have an offseason like this, you can tell they believe that they have a championship team in place and they don't need to make significant moves in order to um win a championship i mean they have the core in place so why shake it up and you know do anything crazy i mean you look at the players that they lost alfred payton is an javon carter who i mentioned previously in another episode he's a very solid defender um, but alfred payton is better so they upgraded their uh, depth at the guard position and Landry Schmetz a really solid three-point shooter and provide some nice depth for him they really didn't have an answer beyond behind DeAndre Ayton as you mentioned and Javal McGee is a perfect veteran for this squad uh, and DeAndre Ayton's had some injury problems in the past so I think that's pretty important to have somebody you can rely on behind him and you know potentially reduce really, they don't minutes. want they don't they don't want frank kaminsky playing all those all those minutes yeah screw that guy um besides that yeah i mean just a lot of rotational pieces but i think overall this was a team that was second in the western conference very close to being the best team in the western conference i think they got better honestly i think the rotational pieces that they moved on from and the rotational pieces they brought in are better so I, uh, I I like it. I don't think they needed to do a lot, but they made kind of moves on the margin to become better, and I, I like that. So uh, let's go through their depth chart here. In the backcourt, Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Behind them, names we've already mentioned, Landry Schmidt, Cameron Payne, Alfred Payton. Very solid there. 
at the three. You have Mikael Bridges behind him, Cam Johnson. Dario Saric, who played 18 minutes a game for him last year, is going to be out a good chunk of the season. He tore his ACL in game one of the finals last year. Um, So it hurts their wing depth a little bit because he was pretty solid for him last season. At the four, they have my boy Jay Crowder. Um, Cam Johnson will back him up. And then it's at the five slash backing him up. You have uh, Jalen Smith. Frank Kaminsky and Javal McGee, and then DeAndre Ayton starting at the five. So nice starting five, nice depth here. One of the things that still blows my mind is Jalen Smith. I mean, they took him 10th overall, which was shocking. He barely played last season. With bringing Javal McGee in, it seems to me they don't have a lot of confidence in him quite yet. Maybe he still needs another year of development. But, I mean, this is the kind of guy to me where I'd rather have him getting a lot of minutes developing in the G League than just rotting yeah. on the bench. So I don't know if that's a decision that will be made at some point. And you don't always see that with top 10 picks. But at this point, I mean, where is he going to play? So I just let him play 25, 30 minutes in the G League. But what do you think? Uh, that's another whole topic. But go ahead Talk about the depth chart a little bit, K-Man. Uh, I mean, yeah, you mentioned. They're definitely the front court is, they're set. They got Aiton and Crowder, but then you got, like I said, they got Frank the Tank, McGee, uh, Jalen Smith. Gonna, I mean, yeah, but it might be better for him to play in the G League for a, for a bit, but I mean, he's going to provide a depth piece, but when you got when yeah when you're talking about a top ten pick, uh, that's not you don't you just you don't just want your top ten pick to be a depth piece. Yep. You kind of want him to have a role, and he doesn't have a huge role as of now, unless something were to happen to either Aiton or Javale McGee. Uh, the wing depth is, I mean, they have Bridges, Cam Johnson, but not. Not really great options. It's, I mean, we're nitpicking at this point, basically. But if I had to pick one spot, I mean, I guess it's the wing. But I think they have a lot of guys. Uh, I mean, they if they wanted to go, they could always. I and they could always would be interested. So Devin Booker, I think, could play the three as well if they needed him, needed him to. And you could play. A guy like Paul and if you wanted to go Paul and Shemet. No, so, so they have a lot of, they do have a little bit of flexibility, but yeah, overall, it's still solid depth all the way around. It's just nitpicking. So like, like we, like we mentioned when they have, when you did what the Phoenix Suns did last year and overachieved, uh, you might don't, don't mess with a good thing. And that's kind of what their thought process is. And we didn't, and I'm surprised you haven't talked about that. We have, we didn't talk. We haven't. You you didn't even mention how good of a job Monty Williams did last season. Mm-hmm. And he and I'm surprised you haven't mentioned that yet. I'm very disappointed in you. I know I suck. That you haven't mentioned Monty Williams did a great job coming in, integrating. They had so many new. They not just Chris Paul, but they had several new pieces that they were able to integrate into this team. When then they really. And it was it almost like they didn't need a lot of time to just gel. Like they almost they clicked fairly quickly. Uh, they're just I mean it 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 was just a bit unrealistic to expect a title 
year one, I don't care how well you click. Uh, it, it was a lot to expect year one. But going forward, they have, and they may have hurt themselves in this regard. Now they're like, okay, you made the finals last year. Like, now if they don't at least make it back again, it's kind of considered a disappointment. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's that's where they kind of back themselves into a wall a bit, where if they don't make the finals again, it, it probably is considered a disappointing season. Yeah, and Monty Williams definitely deserves a lot of credit for the way that he was able to blend these pieces. He's always been known and around the league and he's always been very respected as a great leader, a good X's and O's guys. And this is, I think the first, I don't want to say the first time, but this is the best spot he's been put in, in his career. And he really thrived with it. So it's one thing to be respected around the league, but sometimes you got to put your money where your mouth is. And I think he definitely did that last season. So yeah, definitely a good story there for him. He deserves all the credit in the world, and I think they have the right guy in place. I think him and Chris Paul have a great relationship, which is really critical. Um, so, yeah, he did a great job. One of the things that I think is still interesting is I feel like nobody thinks that they can go back to the finals And honestly, I don't understand why. I don't see any good reasons. Everybody's just enamored with the Lakers and their all 60-year-old squad. Uh, I don't see any reason that the Suns can't win the whole thing. They have, when you list out all the important factors of winning, they have a good head coach. They have a superstar. They have veteran leadership. They have depth. They have three-point shooting. They have good perimeter defense. They have literally everything that you need to win. And now they have, and I mean, not to mention, they might have a little motivation trying to get Chris Paul a ring. Uh, And you have a team that's hungry now. They tasted almost winning a championship. And now they have the motivation to go forward and try to take that next step and win it all. And I don't want to say they have a chip on their shoulder, but they should because I feel like they're being disrespected. And I feel the same way about the Utah Jazz where everyone's like, eh, that was fluky. I'm like, why, though? I mean, the Jazz played really well, and we'll talk about them in the next episode. But, I mean, the Suns, to me, are a top three team in this conference. And as long as they're healthy and all these elements are clicking they can be anybody in the league at any time in a seven game series. And I don't think that they get enough respect. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's the reality as far as next season goes, they're going to be, I, I have, there is zero reason why they're not going to be, I mean, they're not going to be a top three. They're not going to fall below three. I, uh, but yeah, they, like they can compete. Like, they can compete with either L.A. team. You know, obviously, it's Clippers are only championship relevant when Kawhi comes back. But they can compete with both L.A. teams. They can compete with the future. They can compete with any team in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when we talk about when I'm going to the – if we talk about them going back to the finals, they gave – they gave the they gave the a Bucks a the, a run for their money in the finals. The Bucks had to really work for that championship. And I I mean, you don't see it too often where both teams go back to both. It, there's a rematch in the finals. It doesn't have. It's this isn't freaking Golden State and Cleveland or something. This this is not that situation where they played in the finals like. 
20 years in a row or something like that. Uh, but, yeah, it, I mean, they, they're, yeah, they, yeah, I agree. They don't get enough respect for what they were able to accomplish last season. And it would not shock me one bit if they were to make it back to the finals. I mean, every, everybody's talking about the Lakers, but if we're being honest, Relying on Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Russell Westbrook to first of all be healthy for a full for a whole season and be able to play, be available every night come postseason. I mean that is a tall ask. You, it's almost a guarantee that one of them's gonna get hurt during the season. Yeah, like I said, LeBron's getting old. LeBron's. Father time going to catch up to LeBron at some point. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Russell Westbrook has struggled to stay healthy in the past couple seasons. <laughs> Anthony Davis is playing on one knee. Uh, so yeah, but Phoenix Suns is have as good a chance as anybody to go back uh, to the finals. Yeah, and. I think it's interesting because as we've been doing the team breakdowns, I'm thinking in the back of my head who I'm going to have winning it all and who I imagine the conference finals. And I think I'm starting to get a clear picture in my mind as we're reviewing these top teams. So I'm excited. I've mentioned a few times. Spoiler alert. Jordan may or may not have the Phoenix Suns in uh, in, the finals. I am strongly considering it. I've gone back and forth on a few Western Conference teams. I believe I have my Eastern Conference team locked in, and I think it's going to be surprising, but that's okay. I like being a little... I mean... So it's not going to be the Bucs? Definitely not the Bucs. I mean, not that they can't do it. It's not like I think they have no chance, but... uh, and it's one of the things that I haven't mentioned in quite a while, but I love the NBA right now because there's so much parity. As you mentioned, I mean, how many years in a row did the Cavs and Warriors play in the finals? Four, I believe it was. Four straight seasons they played in the finals. You're not going to – I mean, maybe uh, the Bucks and Suns, but – The Suns and Bucks fans, but I would bet my entire life savings that – it will not be the Suns and Bucks. There's the just too many good teams in the NBA right now. And as much as they're super teams, I mean, the Bucks weren't a super team and they won last season. And I think the Suns, I wouldn't consider them a super team. And they could, I mean, what is, I think a lot of these top tier, t- you know, there's a lot of question marks with the Nets or the Lakers. I don't think anyone's a hundred. Well, there's some people that are hundred percent sold on them, but they shouldn't be. But there's a lot of question marks. So I think it's anybody's game. A lot of these teams are capable of winning it all. So I think it's going to be another fun season here that hopefully ends with a, I like when a surprise, I think the Bucks weren't surprising that they won it all, but I think the Suns being there definitely were. So I like when it switches up a little bit. So I'm hoping to see something different again this season, but uh, don't miss our Utah jazz episode, which is next. We'll have our standings coming up. And then we'll be providing content in season as well. So make sure you subscribe on YouTube and wherever you listen to podcasts. And we will see you guys next time.